All right, Tyler, next big piece of news this morning is one that I think you're going to have some juicy takes on. But there's some big news in the sports media landscape as a major player in sports radio and TV is starting his own podcast company to not only expand his footprint, but also put a fresh face to on-demand sports content. So here's some reporting out of Bloomberg. Colin Cowherd, he's a sports radio star for iHeartMedia and daily TV host for Fox Sports, is breaking away from both major networks to launch his own podcast company, which is going to be called The Volume. On The Volume, he's going to lead a show lineup with a new podcast hosted by uh, Colin Cowherd, yours truly. Uh, and he's also going to anchor a network of content of more than half a dozen shows. And they're going to be very niche. There's going to be basketball-centric programs, football-centric programs with hosts like Akib Talib. So, you know, getting big names on board already. He also plans to use the network as a test for the kind of content that may lead sports programming moving forward with shows about sports gaming and shows on sports betting and fantasy sports with a show hosted by infamous gambling fanatic Alex Monaco. And Cowherd even got fantasy sports leader FanDuel to be one of the network's presenting sponsors. So right out the gate, already a major catalog of future-focused and legacy integrations to a podcast network. And podcasting, as we know, is a growing platform for under-40s. Uh, iHeartMedia is now posed to gain 2,000 more hours of programming from this podcast network because even though Cowherd is going to own the company and it's going to be his venture, he still wanted to integrate it with his existing partners because it's to his benefit and he probably saw that it would be to theirs as well. So iHeartMedia now has more space for advertisement sales as well. And it was pitched as an opportunity for his existing partners, probably to get more buy-in and to, uh, you know, expand the initial footprint. He's putting millions of his own dollars into this venture, and he will be the sole owner and stands to gain a lot of money if it takes off. Uh, We can look to a recent example, such as The Ringer, which was run by his former ESPN colleague Bill Simmons. The Ringer sold to Spotify for $250 million, so Cowherd could build a massive network here, it could take off, and then he could, you know, make uh, multi-millions off of it. So on a video conference last week, Cowherd said the following about the sports media landscape. He said, quote, We're in an on-demand world. You can do real-time commentary now with no barriers. I don't have to drive to a studio, don't have to put makeup on, I don't have to go to a studio and get mic'd up, end quote. And about a year ago, Colin Cowherd was on, uh, was excuse me was on the Ryan Russillo podcast, and he was talking about his career at ESPN and Fox Sports. He had some interesting commentary on his relationship with his employer, as well as how his audience has changed over the years. And I think this gives great context for where his motivations came from, and might give us more insights into uh, what the broader implications are of a move like this from Mr. Cowherd. So let's go ahead and play that quick snippet again from the Ryan Rousseau podcast, uh, and then we'll get some takes from Tyler and I. 15 years ago, I didn't have 88 million podcast listens a year. Last year, I had 334 million Facebook views. I am way more consumed and monetized today than I've ever been. I mean, when I got in this business, you got in a sheet at the end of this quarter. Here's how many people listen to you on AM. I now have an AM, an FM, an XM series, a podcast, a cable, a YouTube, a Twitter. We monetize all of them. So even though I'm a member of iHeartRadio and FS1, it's the best I've ever been treated. It's the happiest I've ever been. 
I kind of look at it as I'm a voice and can my two companies just monetize me as much as they can and then I get a percentage of it. I, it it's not like I'm not part of a team, but really it's can you sell my voice on as many possible platforms as possible? And that doesn't mean I, I don't think of myself as a team member at FS1, but if I got laryngitis, I'm useless, right? Like the voice and how my, it's really more important to me that I make myself available to my audience, my advertisers, my bosses to try new platforms because, you know, we know cable has an erosion issue, right? Yeah. So how do I replace that monetization on what platform? So YouTube, by the way, my company actually, FS1 Fox, makes more per YouTube subscriber than per cable subscriber. That's crazy. So I, in, in my world, yeah. I'm hoping my YouTube audience explodes as much as my FS1 audience. All right. So I, I thought, honestly, that was a great summary of his mindset going into launching his own network. And again, that was about a year ago. So he was already feeling, you know, at least some self-awareness about his place in a broader media landscape, his place as a, a content creator and personality in a major uh, you know, corporate network, as well as how his audience was uh, diversifying actively. So Tyler, I'm really curious your thoughts on this move. Go ahead and break down some of your initial insights here. Yeah, I like Colin Coward a lot. And um, just a, as a general sports fan, now people get a kick out of he's the biggest name and they like to post clips of you know wrong predictions he made and that sort of thing. And that just kind of comes with the territory of being a sports um, sports talk show host and kind of being in that position. But I, I do think that those spots and the, the area that he occupies is very limited. And so when you're in that spot... Um, taking advantage of every opportunity and branding yourself in as many different ways as possible and creating almost an omni-channel way for people to consume your stuff is so, so smart. And so starting a podcast network like this, I, I think makes a ton of sense for a guy like Colin Coward because uh, there's an audience out there for it. He's seen firsthand kind of what that can do. And he's totally right in that one clip that you read where he says, you know, we can do real-time commentary now with no barriers. I don't have to drive to a studio, don't have to put on makeup, and I don't, you know, have to go to a studio and get mic'd up. Podcasts are such a low barrier to entry thing that it is really easy to create and build something, especially if you already have a pre-existing audience that you can tap into, utilize that network, and all of a sudden now you have another ad base um, for somebody in a media position like him, or just another place for your voice to be heard, another arena. And like you mentioned, you mentioned the example of The Ringer, which I think was a fantastic example, because Bill Simmons left ESPN, starts The Ringer, it's his own thing, sells to Spotify for, uh, what, $250 million, like you mentioned. Um just an, an incredible example of what you can do when you get the right people in, when you bank on the right ideas and uh, go in a forward thinking direction, like what podcasts are and what um, some of these networks are doing. And so Colin Coward has the following. He has the brains. He knows what he's doing when it comes to getting into this world. And I'm excited to see what he builds. Yeah. It's really curious that he uh, sees so much value in breaking away from the existing sports infrastructure because I think there is an argument to make that as a personality, especially with the kind of reach that he has, you know, he's uh, better off 
maximizing the existing channels. But I think there's also an argument to be made that those existing channels aren't innovating fast enough or, um, you know, aren't giving him the kind of ownership over his media that he would like. And so I think there is, you know, um, a lot of value in asking the question of, uh, you know, should influencers and content creators be looking to own their media channels as much as possible? and trying to figure out what the consequences are of the alternative and how you secure your value as a content creator and professional personality. Uh, you know, <laughs> that applies to us directly, Tyler. Um, you know, I, I think being part of a broader network, creating content for, uh, you know, a, a company or a sort of shared team vision is definitely an attractive, uh, you know, career path. It's the most stable one, but I also see why there is an appeal for content creators to put more value in building their own personal brand, and it's it's interesting because Colin even said working at FS1 has been the most, you know, working with Fox Sports has been the most open, freeing, creative, uh, you know, part of his career that he's ever had. He feels, you know, like he can say basically whatever he wants and, um, you know, can give his takes and have the kind of show he wants to have. And yet he still isn't totally satisfied. He still wants something that is owned by him um, and something that he feels like he can curate to match a different growing and younger audience. So, Tyler, do you think that podcasting is going to continue to grow like this due to the centrality of its hosts? Because this is a big bank on, okay, we're going to expand content. And sure, the content is interesting, but I think he's making more of this play on people are going to want to come see me. People are going to want to come see the, uh, you know, the big names that I'm already bringing on board. They're going to want that exclusivity. So do you think that that sort of influencer-led host-led mentality is what's going to continue to drive these high-profile um, pieces of podcast content, or do you think that it's going to be more content-driven and that you know, it doesn't really matter who the host is as long as the content itself is engaging and educating? I think that having the name at the head of it then brings some credibility to the people that he brings on to fill out some of the other spots. Like uh, at The Ringer, one of my favorite writers and podcasters is a guy named Shea Serrano, who was, you know, just a few years ago, he was teaching at a school, right, in, in the San Antonio area. And, you know, had dreams about doing some some writing and doing some things like that got on with The Ringer, and no one had heard of Shea, but Bill Simmons kind of giving him that platform and allowing him to share his voice, all of a sudden brought out this guy that is just uh, just fantastic to listen to. I love reading his stuff. He has uh, a couple of books, rap and other things, uh, basketball and other things, which uh, are, are just a, a ton of fun to read, and he's a really great cultural voice. But like without having the, the oomph of a guy like Bill Simmons, who had the ESPN credibility, who had some of that... Uh, uh, some of that, uh, I guess, clout within the within the industry. Maybe you never hear of Shay, but so I think Colin Cowan could do a similar thing, where if he just hires people that can do good stuff and then give them the platform, then that's really how things have taken off in other areas. It, it, you don't have to be a name coming into it, but being given the platform by somebody who has built a reputation, who has a lot of clout in this industry, I think is the way to kind of build a network like this, like what The Ringer has built and like what Colin Coward is looking to do. I also think companies can learn a lot from this news. Uh, clearly, there's confidence from 
big players in legacy media to expand to you know what we would call new media digital centric um, and on demand content and whether you're a small retailer whether you're a b2b manufacturer or whether you're i don't know target there's value in owning your own content and expanding a uh you know a network of content because folks are looking for that sort of on-demand education and inspiration and value out of their content. So if you go into it with that mentality, you try to own your media channels, and you put an emphasis on authenticity, which is clearly what Colin wants here. He wants a platform where folks can be themselves, where they can explore the content they want, and where he can offer uh, you know, a venue for original and cutting-edge thought leadership. If you as a company do that for your industry, do that for your employees, uh, or you know, do that for your stakeholders, that holds a lot of value in today's economy, uh, and at the very least holds a lot of value in today's marketing strategies. So uh, you know, I think there's a lot to learn here. Uh, and I, I think that we're going to see more of this. I think we're going to continue to see more influencers, folks, at least with major access to capital. I mean, it's not like Colin is lacking funds here to make this kind of move. So, you know, for the smaller player here building this from the ground up may not be quite as, um, you know, uh, rainbows in the sky, right, as, as sort of seamless and uh, as expansive as Colin is able to do literally immediately, duh. But, um, you know, I think with folks that have that kind of access to capital that already have major uh, clout in their industry, I think there is going to be an influx of folks trying to own their own podcasts at least, launching their own shows outside of broader networks, but I could even see more of this, more of these networks, more of these sort of team efforts between uh, thought leaders and influencers and personalities within an industry to create content together and challenge existing legacy infrastructures, because we're in a place where disruption can take hold, especially in media, and if you offer something unique... In, you know, 20, 30 years, you might be the new legacy network and player that everyone is trying to break away from to, uh, you know, innovate on as well. So I think this uh, is a sign of growth in the media industry and definitely a vote of confidence for podcasting. <laughs>